0: You are listening to the Sun Grove podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Welcome this holiday weekend. Uh, How many of you get a little time off tomorrow? Most most of us, not all of us. We're sorry for if you got a labor on Labor Day. Uh, Sometimes it just works that way, right? But uh, so glad to have you here today and be in the house of God. And it's just going to be a very uh, cool experience, I think, for you, because I truly believe that God wants you to enjoy today. Sometimes people come to church, they don't enjoy it, right? Maybe some of you growing up, your church experience wasn't very enjoyable. Maybe they spoke in slightly a different language. Uh, maybe it was all a high culture in church and you couldn't like enjoy. You had to be in, in uh, you know, very dressed up clothes or you had to be in a very formal environment and you weren't allowed to like, respond back. You weren't allowed to laugh out loud in church. You weren't allowed to do anything like that. And maybe uh, you didn't grow up enjoying your church experience. So today I want to invite you to enjoy your church experience, and we're going to do that together. I want you to go ahead and take your Bible out, your uh, outline. You'll notice on your outline today there are no fill-in-the-blanks because today I want you to enjoy uh, your church experience. I want you to engage. I want you to write down what you think are your own outline points as we walk through today's sermon, that there may be points where God just speaks to your heart, and he wants you to write down something that's meaningful to you instead of just fill-in-the-blanks that were something that we uh, oftentimes do. Let me start by praying with us. Jesus, thank you so much that you brought us here. Even right now, God, we just step aside. We want you to be our teacher, so we invite you right here, right now. We know that you're in this place already. God, we've watched how you've transformed a gym that people used to worship their physical body. And you've created this building to be a house of worship. So even right now, God, as we sit here, we invite you to transform our physical bodies into the temples of the Holy Spirit to be houses that are your church, that God, even our presence here today, our body here today, is a place where you express the worship that is due you. So God, teach us. We invite you to speak to us by your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Well, I know a man who said, the only church I ever went to was boring. I didn't understand what they were saying. No one made the Bible applicable to me. And I only went to church for someone who was either getting married or having a funeral. Didn't enjoy church growing up. I know a woman who feels guilty about her blessings in life. She loves the outdoors. She loves getting out in nature. She loves enjoying that. She loves her lot in life. She loves her church. She honors the Lord with the first of her income and her life. But she, on the inside, deep down, feels somehow an odd expectation that living for the Lord means that she ought to live somehow destitute, like Mother Teresa or Shane Claiborne. And she said, is it wrong to enjoy vacations and enjoy life and enjoy where we live, or are we supposed to downplay those things spiritually? I know a young couple who had attended Sun Grove uh, for a few years but decided to get connected. They joined a small group and they decided to volunteer in the church. And they said, "Listen, even before we did that, we liked church, but we had no idea how much fun it is to volunteer in church with other people that you love. Now we really enjoy church. And there's something about being connected. There's something about loving the church, but there's also a side of you and me, if we're being honest with ourselves, that loves the world in which we live." And we're in this series on the importance of tension. And if you'll walk with me for just a minute right over here, you'll know that we've walked through this series on the tensions in life. And some that we experience in life and in church, some we experience in, in walking ourselves into maturity in terms of our walk with the Lord or with our kids and raising up our kids. But there are tensions in the Christian faith, and we want to walk through some of those. The first one being that you can know God. You can personally know God. But God is also a mystery, And both are true. That you, yes, you can personally know him, but God is a mystery. God can do what God wants to do. God has ideals. He has an ideal way for you to live your life, to handle your finances, to walk in relationship. And his principles work. If we follow his principles, they work. They're true. But, beautiful thing is God also uses broken people. People who didn't follow his ideals, who didn't do life perfectly. People like you, people like me, right? Isn't that beautiful, good news? At the same time, the Bible is all true. Yet we have to acknowledge that not everything true about life is in the Bible. That there are truths in the various disciplines of life that are not found explicitly in the Bible. The Bible is all true. You can know God in a moment. You don't have to clean up your life, make yourself perfect, but you can know him like that. By receiving through faith the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, you can know him in a moment. But it will take you and I forever to figure out what that means, how to live out that life. And then today, oh, we talked last week, if you will, that your beliefs matter. They do. They matter. But people matter more. And if your beliefs cause you to mistreat people, there's something wrong with your beliefs. And that resonates with our heart. And today, we're going to talk about the fact that you should enjoy church. You should. You should enjoy church. But you should also enjoy living in the world. You should enjoy church, but you also should enjoy living in the world. And I'm not talking, i be careful here. I'm not talking, when I talk about the world, I'm not talking about uh, just that you should love the world's system. I'm not saying that. You say, what's the world's system? I'm not talking about the invisible world system that is at war with God promoting evil, that system that advocates destroying and devaluing people. I'm not talking about what the Bible would often refer to as the flesh or the things of this world. We're not to love the world or the things of this world. When it's talking about that, it's talking about the systems of the world that cause you and I to devalue one another, that cause you and I to be selfish and to pursue sin in every single way. I'm not talking about that when I talk about the world. What I'm talking about is the physical world around us. That you should enjoy nature. You should enjoy people. You should enjoy culture. That God has wired us and created us to live at such a time as this in this world and that you and I should be able to enjoy those things. So last night, uh, I grabbed my son Joshua. Uh, we borrowed a friend's kayak and we went out. It's a, it's a tandem one, so there's two people in it. And we went out on the Consumness River and uh, right when you pass under Franklin Boulevard, where it heads south toward Thornton, on the Consumnus River, at night, out over the delta, right when the sun goes down just about dusk, bats leave under that street, and they fly out, and it's like a hose of bats. I mean, literally, probably a hundred bats every like three or four seconds and it's just this stream, and they're just heading south, and they leave their nesting place, and they just head out, and it's a good thing, those of you who even hates bats, you know, you see those, and you're thinking it's not Batman therapy, and you're not saying, where's Sarah, but you know, but you're, you basically, you see, you see these bats going out, and you're grateful, because you know what, they eat bugs all night long, and I can't imagine if God didn't have in his System of nature. If God didn't have that right balance there, our lives would be drastically different without the bats. But they go out and they just stream south, and it's just amazing. People will like stop on the bridge, or they'll be on kayaks underneath, and they'll watch them uh, just go out. And our, REI brought a whole group of people out last night. I I discovered it like last Monday, just being out by myself. I'm coming back. I took a picture of the sunset, and I was way out, and I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna be unloading this kayak in the dark, and I was. And, uh, but I have worked my way back on the river, and as I'm coming back, I see all these bats coming I've never seen it before. Didn't even know it was in our backyard. Didn't know that that happens every single night. But God, in the mystery of his creation, just has these things going on all around us that guess what you and I oftentimes don't know about, but we marvel at the design that God has put into nature, that he controls things that you and I have no idea what's going on. He's the Batman he's the God of you. He's the God of me. He's the God of creation. He's the God who orchestrated and decided all these things. We should enjoy people. We should enjoy culture. We should enjoy the world of nature. God designed the world for us to enjoy. And the importance of this tension between the church and the world is this, that your kids are going to grow up And they're going to begin to like some things, hear me carefully, they're going to begin to like some things in our world that you have not explicitly designed or or, uh, defined as being spiritual. They're going to like some things, and it's okay for you to say, listen, you can enjoy some things other than just simply the church. See, there's two minds in parenting. One is that you want to isolate your kids. Oh, don't think about anything in the world, don't like anything unless it has a Christian label. And you want, to, you want to isolate your kids from real life. You want to isolate your kids from the world. And sometimes out of fear, parents want to do that. And sometimes out of fear, there would be parents who would want to maybe homeschool out of that, but they're not preparing their kids for life. They're isolating them from real life. The better balance in the tension is to insulate your kids. It's what we do as adults. There are things in the world you and I are not to love. There are things in the world that are not good for our appetites. There's things in the world that are not good for us to see. There are things in the world not good for us to be involved in. So we're going to insulate ourselves from those things. We're not isolated from the world. We didn't get on a rocket and go live on the moon and be away from all people and all bad influences. No, that we insulate. And as parents, the same thing we want to insulate our kids. We want to be a first line of defense. We want to help them process what's out there. But there are times that sometimes you'll feel the tension because you want to isolate your kids from the world when God's saying you want to insulate them, prepare them to live in the world in which I created. I mean, think about it for a minute, right? Parents, you'll understand how this works. You're raising your kids, and all of a sudden you just think, I'm just going to tell my kids, when they're little, 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 I'm just going to tell them, hey, listen, you will not like candy. You, you'll just, you're not going to, oh, candy, ooh. You know, you're just not going to like it, right? How's that going to go for you, right? All of a sudden, the kid's going to be going, you told me my whole life I'm not going to like candy. I like candy. And there are certain things that are okay to enjoy. There's other things that have the pleasures, temporary pleasures of sin that we're not to love. And I'm not talking about that system. I'm not talking about that part of the world. That's the world system that drives us away from the Lord. But I'm saying we ought to raise ourselves and our children in such a way that we are to enjoy, you should enjoy church. It shouldn't be a burden. It shouldn't be something that's weird for you or where you you have to put on airs and be fake. But you should enjoy church and you should enjoy living in the world. It's okay to tell your kids that they can enjoy the world, that you can enjoy what God has made, what God has created. And our culture is always trying to divide the secular and the sacred, right? If, if they begin to feel like the sacred is infringing on the secular, they, they raise flags and say, well, time out. We don't need your God here. We don't get religious with us. Don't say the name of Jesus Christ. You can say the name of God or, you know, uh, Father or whatever else. But as soon as you say the name of Jesus, people get all bent out of shape, don't they? They get all bent out of shape over that name. Our world is constantly trying to divide what is secular and what is sacred. And God just wants you and I to understand that he's created the world in which we live for us to enjoy. And he's created the church, which is not perfect. He is the perfect. He is the good shepherd. There are messy people in church, right? I'm one of them. So are you. It's a good thing, but we're to enjoy the church. We're to enjoy both. Our culture always wants to divide the sacred and the secular. And sometimes people who maybe have been long established in the church, maybe you grew up in a family that was, was more uh, staunch and they were, you experienced a high church background. And, and sometimes when people get established in the church, they begin to get ingrown and they think we're to avoid anything other, well, anything that's not Christian or churchy. Oh, we can't go see a movie. Oh, we can't play with cards. Oh, we can't do whatever, right? There's all sorts of things like that that people begin to think. And maybe you grew up in a house that was like that, that it was frowned upon in different parts of life because of a high church culture. But God says, We are the church and we're to love the world. We'll do anything short of sin to reach those who don't know Christ. That's the beautiful thing that we're supposed to be the church, but the church is supposed to be that influence on the world. The church is supposed to be those who say, listen, we have good news in Jesus because he has saved us. We have hope in a world that oftentimes looks hopeless. There is hope in the world and there's hope for beyond the world. There's hope in this life right now, but there's hope beyond this life. We are the church and we are to exist, to lead people to become fully devoted Christ followers. So we exist for the world, both those saved and those who are to be saved. We exist in that way. So don't get worried. Listen, sometimes you get worried. You get weird when you get at church. Sometimes you get worried when you start raising your kids. Sometimes you get weird in life. And let's just be honest. Sometimes we get weird. What I want you to understand is this. Do not be worried that you might like people who aren't Christians don't get worried that you might like some people who aren't Christians more than you like some people who are Christians. Don't be worried about that, right? Don't get worried that you like listening to Journey, or to Coldplay, or to Adele. You should be worried if you like listening to Britney Spears. There's a reason that album has explicit on it that she's putting out right now, right? Don't be worried that you like an athlete who runs a football down the field who's not a Christian. God created that athlete to have that ability to enjoy that way. Don't be worried about that. Don't think that that's, don't get weird about it. God wants you to enjoy the church. God wants you to enjoy living in the world and he wants people to be Saved. Listen, I know people who, for spiritual reasons, have raised their kids that they should avoid owls. They just think they're the Egyptians worship them, and so that's weird. Uh, they they think that they should avoid obelisks, right, which are stone stanchions like the Washington Monument or other stanchions like that, or that you shouldn't enjoy Olaf. <laughs> okay, well maybe I'm going a bit farther. Maybe maybe they really like Olaf. But the point is, you and I sometimes can get weird about stuff, right? Oh, that's pagan. Oh, that's, that's awful. Let me just, I, I gotta just let, let you know something honestly. Everything in life, if it's not of Christ, is going to be pagan. It just is. It's all corrupt. It's all going to burn. The only thing that's going to remain are the good things that Christ does in us and through us. The only thing that's going to remain is what he saves at the end. We're going to try to save whales. We're going to try to be good stewards of nature. We're going to do that. But at the end, it's all going to be destroyed. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. And sometimes we get that out of order, don't we? Sometimes we love our pets more than we love people. I'm not saying it's wrong to love your pet. I believe God has given us the joy of owning pets and that we can, we can love that part of the world, but we shouldn't love them more than we love people. For God did not so love the world that he gave his only son that your pet and my pet could have eternal life, but no, he came so that you could, so that I could, so that the lost could be saved. Sometimes we get that out of order, don't we? So don't make your kids pick. Listen, don't make your kids pick between the church and the world in a way that's just crazy. Don't do it. There's a tension to manage. Listen, if your kids love music and they're beginning to pursue all sorts of music that are really anti-biblical messages, that are anti-Lord, then as parents, we do step into that appetite and help them redirect their appetite. But we do it from the perspective of you love, we want you to love the Lord your God. He is your source. He is your provider. He is the one there. So there is a time to talk to your kids about things that they are overloving in the world because of the natural bent of your children. If they love art, but they're pursuing all sorts of art that is just not God-honoring, it's not even neutral art, it's really against the Lord, then we would step in, help redirect their appetites. That's the role of parents. We direct the appetites of our children. Do we force our children? No, but we can direct their appetites, and we should. When our children get confused by the world, by the world system that turns people away from the Lord and those, it is our job as parents to redirect their appetites back to the Lord. But not in a way that's weird, not in a way that's fear-based, not in a way that's like panicky and we force our kids to choose when they decide to love something that isn't, you haven't specifically designed or defined as spiritual. So you can enjoy the church but you can also enjoy living in the world. If you have your Bible, open to Psalm 37. We're going to look at several different verses around Scripture here today, but I want you to begin by looking at Psalm 37. Verse 3 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. This whole psalm talks about those who follow the Lord or those who don't. And he's saying, for those of you who are the church, those of you who follow the Lord, it's saying, listen, I want you to understand that you can dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Now, does this guarantee that you're going to always be safe? No, life doesn't give us those guarantees. But by knowing the Lord, but by having the Lord in your life, as you and I dwell in the land that we have, safe pasture in your work, in your life, that God is there with you. You are not orphaned. You are not abandoned. You are not alone, but God is with you. So in this world, as the church, God is with you and you can enjoy the work of your hands. The pasture for them was the workplace. It was the marketplace for them. He wasn't just saying, enjoy safety and something good to eat like a little lamb. That's not what his idea is. Psalm thirty-seven eleven, same chapter, a little bit further along. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Again, he's just drawing the distinction. Listen. For those to whom the Lord has promised the promised land, the people of Israel, if they followed his ways, if they followed his decrees to the people of God, he's saying, listen, God wants to have a place where you can enjoy the world. But did it mean they'd always be saved? Did it mean the Philistines would never attack? No, it didn't mean that. But it meant that they had the Lord as their ally. The Lord is on their side. Psalm 37, 19. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. Is it saying that disaster won't come? No, it's saying it will. Is it saying famine won't come? No, it will. But it is saying that God in these awful things, even in those awful things, God is their source. He's their source. And the same is true for you and me. But sometimes you and I get confused because sometimes you and I begin to look at the world as our source instead of God. We look to the world to be our source of life, of happiness, of everything else, instead of God, and God's saying, listen, don't enjoy this system of the world, enjoy the world I've created, nature, and people, and culture, enjoy that, but I brought you out of the world, you are the church, you're set apart, but you're still to enjoy this place for the time and being that I have you living here, in the places which you live, you're to enjoy the lot that God has given you in life. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 19, Solomon is writing, and Solomon is the wisest man who ever lived, and he observed life, and he would write about what he observed about life. He would study life. He would study the sociology of people. He would study the psychology of, of the heart. He would study all that he saw happening in the world, and he writes this in Ecclesiastes five nineteen. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, To accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, have you ever known somebody who has wealth and possessions, but they don't have the ability to enjoy them? They're never satisfied. They're like a dry well. Their well should be full of water, but you throw the bucket in and it just hits dust at the bottom and they bring it up and they say even about what they have, it seems like dust. They're just never satisfied. They always want more. They can't be satisfied with what they have. They're always looking for something more in their life. But Solomon's saying, listen, when God is the source, when he provides wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, To accept your lot in life, be happy in your toil, this is a gift from God. What does God want? God wants you to enjoy church and being the church. God also wants you to enjoy your lot in life, enjoy the world around you. He wants you to enjoy that. It is a gift, actually, from God. We get it mixed up when we begin to think that we don't have enough and that there should be either yourself or somebody else to provide more. And then that just walks down the path of greed, right? Maybe it was greed that got you to the point where you have wealth and possessions. Maybe it was greed that the more you have, the more you have has you. And isn't that true of the person who can't enjoy even what they have? Now, I know in your mind you're thinking of a rich person. You're thinking of a wealthy person. You're thinking of somebody who has lots more than you. Not just a little more than you, but lots more than you. That's what you're thinking of. But I want to just kind of point out for a moment that if you own a car, you are wealthier than most people in the entire world. So let's reread this verse. Thinking about your wealth, even if you have debt. Your wealth, even if you're beholden to other people. Your wealth, even if you don't think that you have enough. Your wealth, even if you're just scraping by. Let's just compare it to the rest of the world, right? Let's read this verse again. Moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift from God. Some of us refuse to enjoy our lot in life, because we're in the pursuit of more. And God's saying, slow down. Slow down, enjoy, savor, even where you are right now, with what you have right now, with who's around you right now, enjoy. Enjoy being the church, enjoy the world in which you live. i got to tell you something, God is bigger than our church. He's lots bigger than our church, right? He is almighty God. God is bigger than our world. He's bigger than the world in which we live. We look at this one planet, but then we go out and we look at the universe and we look at all that's out there and we marvel that there could be such detail and, and such you know, amazement in a world like this. We are so small and compared to everything that's out there and God is bigger than all of that. God is bigger than our church. He's bigger than our world. He's God. He loved people who were pagan. He loved people like you and me who were at one time his enemies and he sacrificed himself that he might save some. So don't get weird about it. There's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. If you try to get your kids or yourself to only love church and churchy things, then guess what? You'll get ingrown, you'll get stagnant, you'll lose your heart for the lost. If you just try to love the world and you just try to love nature and cultures and people and and, and your life looks like National Geographic, then you will love the creation, but you will miss the creator. It's not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage that God wants us to enjoy church. He wants us to enjoy living in the world and enjoy your lot in life. Well, what does it look like to enjoy the church? We have to look back at the early church in Acts to say, how did the church launch? How did it start? Why did people like it so much? And what makes you and I love the church in which we live? Acts 2, 47. Speaking of the early church, Luke writes, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that a beautiful thing? What was happening? They had gone from the religiosity of simply following the Old Testament law, and it's like the the chains, almost, if you will, of the law that revealed what sin was, the chains of them through Christ were thrown off, because Christ perfected the law, he fulfilled the law, and the chains were thrown off, and now guess what happened? People were able to enjoy the favor with one another. They were able to enjoy relationship. They were able to enjoy a radical generosity. They were able to enjoy direct access to God, not going through a priest anymore, but direct access to Almighty God. They could enjoy the forgiveness and the favor and the lot in life in which they were given. They enjoyed it so much. And guess what happened? When they enjoyed it, the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, it didn't always just last like that. Persecution came persecution came and dispersed the church around the world. Why? Because if you and I just love the church and we love being together, God's going to, we have this natural propensity as people to want to just be together. I love what's going on. I love my church. I love it. But sometimes God makes you and I uncomfortable and he disperses. Some of you are here in this room because God made you uncomfortable somewhere else and he dispersed you to get to a place here where you're growing in a new way. God brought you here. God wants to take you and what he's doing in here. He doesn't just want us to come here and enjoy church and do this. He wants us to enjoy church here so that we go and bring the hope of Christ to a lost world. He wants to disperse us. He wants to add to our number daily those who are being saved. Listen, in Acts nine thirty one it says this, Then the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria, so pretty much all of Israel, right? Judea, Galilee, Samaria, enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. There's just this natural propensity when a church is on mission, when it's on mission, when it's increasing in number, when it's loving people, there's just a natural enjoyment to that part of the church. But what does the enemy do? The enemy wants to tell you that you aren't fully a part of the church. He wants to say, look at you, look at your sin. God can't use you because of what you've done, and he plays the shame game. He plays those messages over that you are somehow weaker, that you can't share your faith, that you shouldn't fully enjoy this, that you can't give yourself fully to worship the Lord because you're aware of your own sin. Please understand, this is a condemned enemy based on his own sin telling you that you're also condemned. But Jesus is saying, because of my sacrifice on the cross, you are free. You're free to enjoy your lot in life. You're free to enjoy me. You're free to worship. You're free to be here in church. You're free to enjoy the church and give your heart fully to him to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. And loving one another as yourself. But the enemy says, if I can convince you you're not free, then you won't love. You won't enjoy the church. You'll be tempted more to love the system of the world or just love your own lot in life in the world and not be on mission with God's kingdom. Do you want to enjoy life? Do you want to enjoy your lot in life? Do you want to enjoy the church? Then we see that literally we look like the church. Do you want to enjoy? There will be seasons of peace and prosperity. There'll be seasons of of need and want. There'll be seasons of, of stress. There'll be seasons where you're not healthy. There'll be seasons where you are sick. Because that's life, right? We live in a fallen world. But God wants you to enjoy your lot of life. When you and I are living in the fear of the Lord, when we are being encouraged by God's Holy Spirit, which is one thing that happens when we're in church, we get encouraged by God's Holy Spirit. We don't come to church and feel more condemned when we left than we did when we came. We come feeling a little bit condemned, and then we, we are encouraged by God's Holy Spirit, and we leave ready to reach a lost world and to love people who don't even like us. We're encouraged. That's the way it works. There's an enjoyment when the church is on mission, when it's increasing in number, and when it's loving people. I believe those things run parallel to one another, because if you lose your heart for the lost, if you become all about the church, I just love the church, I just love churchy things, if you get all there, you get ingrow, and you lose your heart for the lost, guess what? Your enjoyment in life your enjoyment and the ability to even love the life you live in this life or in this world will be diminished. But when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and you love other people like he loved us, when you keep your heart for the lost, when you want to give hope to them, guess what? You love the church you love living in this world, and you reach people because you realize this world, as it's created right now, will cease to exist someday, just like your life will end someday, as will mine so we love and should enjoy the church and we should enjoy living in the world 1 Timothy verse chapter 6 verse 17 1 Timothy 6:17 command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment Okay, so Paul is describing why does God do what he does? Go ahead and leave that verse up if you will. But why does God do what he does? Again, he's saying, Timothy, you to your congregation, to your people in your local church, he's saying, command those who are rich in this present world, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in the wealth. Don't think that your wealth is your source, but think that God's your source, which is uncertain, but instead put your hope in God, right? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What are you saying? Are we supposed to hate life? Are we supposed to be all so super rigid? No, we're supposed to love and be the church, enjoy the church. We're supposed to enjoy the world. In fact, God richly provides whatever He's provided you with, God richly provides it for your enjoyment. Do you realize that He's a good daddy? Some of you don't know what that means. Maybe you never had that. But God's just a good daddy. I mean, it's one of those things. When you hear a person share their testimony about how they risked, how they honored God with the first, they were so scared out of their mind, and like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And they honor God and they risk tithing. And they did that. They wrote that first check. They began to set that up. They're like two months in, the dishwasher broke. They're like, I'm following you, God, but the dishwasher broke. Guess what? They make dishwashers a break. That's how they sell more dishwashers. I'm just saying, right? You know, it used to be in the old days, you had a dishwasher in last one. I had this dishwasher for 20 years. Okay, no one has a dishwasher for 20 years anymore, right? There's a reason. So it's a conspiracy. (laughs) But I guarantee you, when you begin to go in faith and you begin to tithe, right, you begin to honor God with the first, I guarantee you that's going to get tested because there's somebody who doesn't want you to do it. He doesn't want you to go back to it. You got to be your own source. You got to, but you honor God with the first and you do that and then you watch how God comes through. You begin to say, Oh my goodness. Lord, you are so great. You you do it, and then you begin to say, God, I'm going to honor you with the first, and when God blesses you with something, maybe it was unexpected, maybe it was something that you just said, God, I sacrificed, but look how you responded. In a way, I couldn't even know what the future held, but look at what you did. God does that because he's a good daddy, and he can give you something for your enjoyment. Not to feel guilty about it. Oh, I got to feel guilty. But God wants you to enjoy that. In fact, I've heard people use this verse by the way. I've heard people who use this verse to say, Well, hey, if God created it, then he made it for our enjoyment. If he created that plant to grow, then it's good. We're we're free and clear. Like, hey, everything's cool. If God created it, why would he create it if he didn't? And, and what times oftentimes people will do, they'll try to use that verse to, out of context, and they will use that verse, but they will ignore all the rest of the scriptures. <laughs> that refer to, let's say, the sin of gluttony. They'll refer to all the rest of the scriptures that refer to the sin of drunkenness that controls you. They'll ignore all the rest of the scriptures that refer to being controlled by a substance or anything other than God's Holy Spirit. They'll refer to all other things, ignore all the other scriptures that refer to the sin of greed. See, people try to use something like that, scripture, out of context. That, well, God just gave me to enjoy. It. He just gave me this wealth. No. God, in scripture, oftentimes says, I've given you what I've given you, and you earn what you earn through honest ways so that, listen, you have something to share. What was the marker of the early church? A radical generosity. That said, I will step up to meet the needs in the world. I will step up to meet the needs within the church. I will love and be a part of God's kingdom. I will honor God with the first. And the vehicle he uses to reach to a lost world is you and me and the church. So listen, don't feel guilty for being an American. Don't feel guilty for being wealthy simply because you live In America. Instead, it's okay to enjoy God's provision, but make sure you're honoring God as your provider. You're honoring him with the first. Make sure you're honoring him with your life, that you say, God, you have a heart for those who are poor and oppressed, which means I need to model your heart. So guess what? When I want to just give to me, I'm going to say, God, I'm going to honor and model even through what I have a heart for those who are poor and oppressed and who can never pay me back. I was your enemy, God. I was poor. I was naked. I was separated from you. I was cast away. I deserved hell. But you gave. So I'm going to give. I'm going to make sure that I'm loving and enjoying the church i'm going to make sure i'm loving and enjoying being in the world and i'm going to make sure that my heart for the world matches your heart for the people of the world i'm going to love you god that you are my source i'm going to give you thanks and that's the difference right because our world teaches us that you're the source it's you If you need more money, get a second job. If you need to do this, do what you need to do. I mean, in in every way, it's going to say you're the source. You make it happen. You make wealth happen. And then other people are looking to the the nature and the world. They're going to get out there and be like, I'm trying to feel the energy of the universe. I don't feel the energy of the universe. Know the creator of the universe. Don't just feel the energy of it. And they're trying to discover and to say, "I'm, I'm enriching my life, knowing all the signposts, but I'm missing who the signs point to. The creator. Enjoy both. Help your kids as they're studying the sciences. Help your kids as they're learning about different cultures. Help them to love the diversity that God has created. To love, the, because it's an expression of his diversity. To love the nature of, this, of the disciplines of the sciences so that they love and as they're exploring those things, they're exploring the mystery of God who knows more and his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are far beyond our thoughts. That's high and up he is. Give them an appreciation for their creator." You can enjoy the church, and you can enjoy living in the world. When we were, uh, when our kids were little, we would see the moon, right? We'd be driving around, and we would see the moon. I'll put a picture up here of the moon. Um, that's the moon, and it's right above these clouds that look like cotton candy to me. Uh, I like cotton candy. My parents told me when I was a kid I wouldn't like candy. <laughs> they were wrong. But there's a picture of the moon. When we drive around, the kids would be like, oh, the moon. You know, sometimes we're driving like, yeah, the moon, right? You know, but our kids are like, wow, the moon, right? And so we would just teach them. We would just say, you know, when our kids would say, hey, there's the moon, we just say, we see the moon, we say, good job, God. Good job, God. I mean, aren't you grateful for the moon? By the way, I got to let you know, I took this picture standing in the street right in front of church. Came out from a Sunday evening church. Walked outside, saw the moon. I was like, unbelievable. Went out, stood in the street with my camera, shot it. If I, That's why you don't see anything below the plants at the bottom, because you see like the street light and, you know, A&W root beer and all that other stuff, right? But what you see, there is this beautiful picture. That's just the moon coming up. But aren't you grateful for the moon? I love the moon. Our world needs the moon. The moon goes around. I mean, it assists with gravity. It helps the tides. Without tides, you don't have currents. I mean, the moon is so integral to, uh, to many, many things in our world, and we need it, and we need to marvel that there is a creator, but if we just worship, hey, hey the moon, I'm going to worship the full moon rising. We're in Mammoth Lakes, and they were having basically, you pay 30 bucks, you ride the gondola to the top of Mammoth Mountain, and people had organized a party That celebrates the sun going down and the full moon rising. It's like a pagan worship service. We're not going to that. I was tempted. I just didn't want to pay 30 bucks. (laughs) But can you imagine the pictures it would be? I could be standing up there with a bunch of people worshiping the creation. And you and I could stand up there and worship the creator, couldn't we? God, you're amazing. The sun goes down. The moon comes up. There's this perfect balance between them. The earth is perfectly spaced away from the sun so that we don't fry or freeze. God, you're amazing. And that if there's a God who designs the world and, and designs people and the diversity in people to be something marveled at, to be something beautiful, then God, I'm going to re- worship it as a reflection of you. I'm not just going to worship the creation, but I will worship the creator. Some of you have trouble, you read the Bible, you're like, I want to connect with God. I want to go deeper. Great, read the Bible, connect with Him in His Word. You must. But let me say there's other parts of you that God has designed and given to you that can be assist- assistance to help you connect with God. So for some of you, listen, as you connect with God through the Word, there may be something in the Word that inspires you, and you know what? So because that inspires me, I'm gonna connect with God as I paint. I'm gonna connect with God as I write. I'm going to connect with God as I photograph, or as I create, or as I draw, or as I compose music, or as I delight. I'm going to go ahead, and because God has just made you, maybe he's made you visual, and you just get out in nature, and you're like, God, I am connecting with you, and I am connecting with your word, but your word points me to how to re- you reveal yourself through nature. I'm going to enjoy you. Sometimes you try to make it all staunch and all stuffy. Do we need Bible study? Absolutely. And some of you, you need to read the Bible, read a chapter of the Bible, and in one hand, you get the chapter of the Bible open that you're reading. In the other hand, you need a commentary, like the Expositor's Bible commentary that goes verse by verse and helps you understand what you're reading. It's not rocket science. We need that discipline. But God has created you uniquely, that you're going to connect with him in your study. You're also going to connect with him in your art. I want you to discover what that is. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, in this verse, God's not talking about the world system that t- teaches people to mistreat one another, to pursue greed, to run over one another, to be selfish and to sin. No, God came into the physical world to save people. And someday he's going to recreate the physical world. There will be new heavens and a new uh, earth for the old order of things, the corrupt order of things in which we have lived is gone. God's going to do that. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we want our song of our life to be in the tension. Father, we want to love your church. God, there are people out there who say, I love God, but I, I, just, I just can't stand the church. And Lord, I just know that's like saying, God, I love you, but I hate your wife. And God, you have called us to be one as you were one. And in your unique creation, you designated the institution of the church to be the instrument that you use to reach lost people. So, God, we pray as a church that you would do that here at Sun Grove. But none of that would be possible, God, aside from the sacrifice of your son. So we thank you even right now. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.